0: NG Meats is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK. Hello and welcome to NG Meets Episode 5. In this episode, we're speaking to Left Lion founder and editor-in-chief Jared Wilson as the magazine gets set to celebrate 100 issues this month. Jared tells us a bit about what we can expect from this celebratory issue as well as giving us a bit of a trip down memory lane for the magazine including how it got started in a flat in Sherwood. There's also a look at... uh, Lords of Milan, the left-line produced film that you may well have heard of us that traces the foundations of Italian football giants AC Milan and how that all links into Nottingham. And Jared tells us about the future plans for that movie and when you'll be able to get your hands on it. And then there's a look at the future of Left Lion, including its upcoming 15th birthday celebrations. So a lot to discuss, a fantastic look at the changing landscape of Nottingham culture, which Left line has been a key part of. And don't forget, you can grab their magazine, eating every month from numerous Nottingham outlets. So we'll be getting into that interview very shortly. But just before that, don't forget, you can check out all of NG Digital's show, NG Meat shows on our Podbean page, which is ngdigital.podbean.com. And we've got some more shows lined up for you. I'll tell you about the next guest at the end of the show, in the meantime, this is NG Meets Jared Wilson. Enjoy. So I'm here with Jared Wilson, who is editor in chief of Left Line magazine, which I'm sure you'll all have heard of, as it's uh, about to celebrate its hundredth issue. First off, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, up Darren. It's nice, man. It's a pleasure, and big up to you and NG Digital and your involvement in the Nottingham scene all these years.
0: Brilliant. Much appreciated. And your
1: beard's better than mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like I said just then, uh, this month is going to be Left Line's one hundredth. Issue, which is I mean that's an amazing achievement. You must be really buzzing for that. Um, did you ever imagine, well, back in two thousand and three, that you wait well, you know that you'd still be going a hundred issues later?
1: Probably not. Um, I mean, yeah. It's, so it's the hundredth issue. Um, it also ties in with so it's our fifteenth birthday this year as well. Um, no, in in a word, I don't think I did imagine um, fifteen years ago when we were sitting there in a little flat on Mansfield Road, um, starting what we do now, then I don't think <laughs> I did imagine it, it'd go this far. It, it, it's the most elaborate hobby um, that you can ever imagine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and now you know, we're here and you're, you're slanting the market offices, and like I say, it all started in a, in a small flat. And I mean, that's incredible in any circumstances, but in consideration of the way the print industry has gone, and having someone who's... You know worked in that industry and seeing how it's shrunk over the years It's amazing that you're able to you know be have such a long life with such, you know in in that market with a print magazine
1: yeah well it's i mean it's not about its challenges I'll say that, but it's um me and Alan the other um, director and founder of it um we're pretty stubborn <laughs> um, yeah, so it's i mean i guess um so I'll tell you a bit about how it started. Do you want me to yeah, definitely. Um, so, well Left Line started life in There's a conversation between three old friends in a flat and in the Grosvenor pub on Mansfield Road, okay? So anybody that lives um, in the Carrington Mapley area, there's a place called Naughty But Nice, which is like a cop shop. And we had the flat above there, it's got a big Hovis sign on the flat on the flat. So if you get the bus on Mansfield Road, you'll see um, the very first ever Left Line headquarters. Um, and me and Alan were living there, and an actor called Tim was living there as well. And um, and I'd come back from London. I was working as a journalist in London, and then um, we wanted to do something. And you know, media wasn't well. Media's changed. I mean, you know this how much it's changed over the last 15-20 years. But I trained as a journalist. I'd written for a few people, and I kind of wanted to do something in my hometown. Yeah. Um, and no, I didn't think it necessary. I didn't. I mean, I think it's hard to have context, you know, we're sitting here now and we're probably both pushing forty, I'm pushing forty anyway. And um, you know, but when I was in my early twenties, um yeah, I never imagined I'd spend the next fifteen years of my life doing this, but I think it's testament to Nottingham and the fun that we've had doing it all that we're still here. Um and we kind of, you know, we have some pretty interesting ways to, <laughs> to make this all work really and find new things all the time. And, yeah.
0: I think it's interesting as well because obviously, um Nottingham now the creative scene is is huge, but it might not have felt that way back in two thousand and three. I don't really. I mean, I I wasn't. I kind of started getting involved in it more sort of the sort of about two thousand eight nine time, and even between then and now, the growth, the way it's exploded is you know it's mad, it's crazy, and that's come from. And a lot of collaboration Left Line obviously played a big part in that because mm. it has been acted as a a shop window almost for that scene. But when you were setting up, what was the sort of aims of the magazine? Because I think the first issue you had Shane Meadows, didn't
1: you? yeah. Well, um, I mean, I guess firstly, like I, I do think the um, the scene's grown, without a doubt, the cultural scene it's it's grown enormously, but. At the same time, we're all more connected to it now, right? Like media has changed, and you know, bear in mind, my we started this. There wasn't, there, Facebook wasn't a thing. We're older no. like than Facebook, um, and we're about four years older than Twitter. Um, so social media wasn't really a thing at that point. Um, and if there was any social media, it was forums. So I think we're all more plugged in and connected to what's going on now as well, and that's why there's a lot of it. Um, but um, the first issue with Shane Meadows, yeah, um, the so I mean, because Left Line actually existed a year before the magazine yeah. as well. Um, so I'd say the first big significant article we did was about a man called Frank Robinson who used to play the xylophone, yeah. AKA the Xylophone Man, and that was kind of like a template for loads of stuff we did going forward. Because I remember. Um, I was kind of jobbing, I did a like interning at the Post and BBC Nottingham around that time as well. And, um, and you know, and I, I do remember pitching the article to other media sources and they didn't really get it. Um, so we published it ourselves and that like became this really viral article. It became really popular and we, you know, that, that was one of the first articles ever to go on the website. Um, and people like Pop Bitch. Do you remember Popbitch? They picked up on it, um, and b3ta.com okay. picked up on it, and all these kind of early, early web publishers um, picked up on it and kind of put it in their newsletters. So I remember sitting in that flat with Alan, the other founder, and. Um, And we were looking at the web hits and it was like, you know, we were getting like maybe like 20 or 30 For those first couple of months, 20 or 30 people every day or week or whatever looking at it And then suddenly this article took it into thousands and then tens of thousands Um, And it was the first time we we, we were like, wow, you know And I mean, I say like, you know, the article's still out there online and, you know, I was the only person who ever interviewed him If you actually read it these days, in all honesty, it's not a very good interview I would say that, you know, I've done a lot of interviews since, but in the sense that it was, you know, I remember the day, like I was um, I was working for an agency in town and I did that on my lunch break and it was slightly awkward. Um, I remember going up to him and going, can we do an interview? And he just like, was like, just, I can't even remember him saying anything. He was looking at me like he just didn't know what was going yeah. on and why I was asking this. And I kind of bought him a meal deal from, like, I don't know, from Sainsbury's or wherever at the time and sat and chatted to him for a bit. And, um... And it's one of them. I mean, I think you know the the beauty of that, and it, the reason it became a template for a lot of stuff we did going forward was everybody knew that guy. Everybody knew who he was, and no one knew anything about him. And um, and so you know, when I was at university, I remember people's opinions of Nottingham were like, "Oh, you're shooting each other, and mm-hmm. you've got that crazy guy playing the xylophone that we saw when we visited." And um, and so you know, what I'd, uh, that early mantra that we still carry through to this day a bit is if there's something that everybody's talking about but the other media sources aren't covering that's probably a really good idea for an article you know or for a piece because you know and it's it was kind of the, the niche that we filled
0: yeah and i think that sort of it's all that almost like I say epitomizes what left line was it was getting into the depths of nottingham's culture mm. in a way as you say the other media weren't either interested or able to because of the changing as we've seen the changing and we've seen what the even the media's and that now, now what they can and can't cover because they they just don't have the size just and capacity yeah, that they used awesome, to have. Yeah. I mean, I've, I know that from you know working in there, how those teams have shrunk down over the years. Mm. So, and you know, investigative journalism and things like that have disappeared from the local, on a local scene, level, it's yeah, fairly dead, isn't it? Um, like you say, and you went and I think, like you say, you, you touched on a, a guy that everybody knew but knew nothing about. She's similar to, I guess, like um, the Cockle Man, the Fishman. Yeah, and exactly. Nottingham There's a few of those characters, the Owl Man, who you've mm. featured. And everyone knows these people from walking around. If you say nobody, nobody knows, anything
1: knows anything about that. yeah. And that's it, that's part of the trick. I mean, you know, Xylophone Man is a bit of like, you know, we consider him to be the patron saint of Left light in that yeah. sense, you know, and I think. In all honesty, Darren, I do think if that article hadn't happened, then we probably wouldn't be here now. And there was a few other interviews after that. You know, you mentioned Shane Meadows in the first magazine. So we, Shane Meadows wasn't famous then. He was like he'd done. He obviously made Twenty Four Seven, which made him Nottingham pre, famous. Free, this is England. That, yeah. um, it was, and it was. Um, he was. He was. He'd just done. Oh, what was it called? The film with Ricky Tomlinson, and he hated it. He was really unhappy with it. Um, the West, The, West, West, time, in the time in the Midlands that one. And he'd done that, and then he was just basically doing um this film that was Deadman's shoes, basically, yeah. which is a wonderful film. Brilliant. Um, and so we got him, I, I'm not even sure he'd ever done an interview like that before. Um and I remember it was like we interviewed him in Snenton, we, we we were just walking around, like um, and we took some photos like in some random garden. Like I think back <laughs> then Shane Meadows, like, because he'd done so much work in Snenton. Um, he just like, he, he, there was like a garden with loads, of, you know, like a dumping ground where there yeah. you know, like TVs and weird fans and stuff in there. Like loads of people had dumped stuff. And we kind of like, he just went, here's a really good place to take my photo. And he just walked into someone's garden and did that. And I think, you know, because he'd been scouring all these locations for, for that. And, um, and again, that was a really, you know, a big one for us. And I think early on, I mean, for me as a journalist, like early on, there were a few bangers like that, that. if you look through the first few issues, then one of the reasons that we it became a thing at that point that, that seemed worth pursuing was then from Shane Meadows' issue one um, to issue two was Donovan Wycliffe, who um, who's the you know the, the guy that people you know goes to people and asks for change in town now. Um, but he was a singer that was signed yeah. to a major label. with dated Danny Minogue. Um, he toured with James Brown, he'd had like three, re- three or four records on major labels, and um, and I heard that story, and I didn't really believe it at first, yeah. and then I checked it out and it was the weirdest thing, you know, so so that one, I mean, the uh, actually the, the piece on Left Line that's called What Happened to Wycliffe is by far the most popular article we have ever published in terms of web yeah. stuff. I it's...
0: noticed I was having a look on the site. Yeah today, I think it was all last night and it's still on the homepage yeah, it's the, if yeah. you
1: check the trending because I mean, what we've done with some bits of the site is that um, that basically it recycles the content that people want to read, they're reading most yeah. and that one, like every time so we you know, we get a monthly web stats report and it's just in there all the time um, but I think it's that thing, you know, that, that that is what people see as they go around and you know, I mean, personally speaking I've got a lot of love for that man i think he's quite quite a rogue, quite a hard character to deal with I've, you know i've seen him in the last week or so but um but it's you know it's an interesting thing and it's probably of interest to in nottingham musicians because maybe like you know maybe he got that dream early on and then you know and then basically it didn't work out like it should have done for him yeah
0: i mean i, I think it's it's an extreme version of it but it isn't an unknown thing of you know like you say someone hits Hits big early on, and and when they don't know what to do when that disappears, because it's particularly in that in, you know in the entertainment industry like that, it can, the rug's just pulled away, isn't it? One minute you're, you know, the next big thing, the next thing, no yeah. one remembers who you are. Oh, I mean, it's almost, it's almost a film story, isn't it? Except for that. So you know, unfortunately, it's not, it's not it's not the happy ending yet. But yeah, saying it's it's if you read it... You could almost read it as a book like you say, a piece of fiction because it is so, so it's compelling so story. compelling but it's also it just seems so as like you said um almost impossible un- unlikely unrealistic yeah but it's a true story and again it's another character of nottingham mm. um, which is i think one of the areas you have like said to become your niche and that you've sort of taken forward
1: yeah that's it and then, I mean, the issue after as well, we interviewed Scorsese, first time we interviewed Scorsese, not the film director, the badass writer. Yeah. And he just done that tune, um, Great Britain, um, which I, I recommend everybody read, but it was like this, everybody listened to, but it was the this angry rant about like, about the monarchy and the establishment. <laughs> and it was like it was a really fresh tune at the time and i remember like i remember seeing a headline in the daily mail about like you know disgust at this rapper who who alleges that the queen is a lizard and that the <laughs> killed lady die and um and again he was like another interesting character who you know i mean he's been in a shane meadows film yeah. ever since but he's actually He's one of those characters, you know, he, he's got a good life now, he's a really good man, but he's, you know, he's one of those that you do think, well actually, there was so much talent there, and maybe people expected him to be Britain's Eminem, and actually what he is now is someone who's, you know, you know, and we, we, we keep in touch with him, is someone who's happy, you know, uh, got, got a family, he lives up north a bit now, and, um, and he still makes great tunes, and still puts great stuff out, but... Um, but yeah, you know, like seeing those people and the way they are in the industry. So there was one of them, and there was Carl, Carl Frock as well, Carl yeah. Frock, um, that we did pretty early on before we'd won a title. So I think, like, you know, those those things really sustained us early yeah. on. And, you know, this when when this started out, I mean, the, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, this was never a, like, you know, a, a sensible business model, really, in the sense that, you know, we were like, we were getting magazines delivered to this flat, and you know, we we still to this day, the distribution of Left Lion magazine is done by our team. Still, like you know, I'm a 38 year old man with a paper app, basically. And I've seen, um, I've seen you, and when I um, used to work
0: in, town and I've, I've seen you and other people in your team walking around with it. Yeah, and after, that's how we know, do it. You know, it's happened,
1: it's kind of important, I think. Like you know, if, obviously, if we were, you know, it, it's not something that other magazines that are you know, that have got a bigger patch to cover or whatever would do, but I think for us it's important, it's that end user thing, you know, you get there's actually quite gratifying to um, to see like, you know, the people in the venues that stock it and the people picking it up, you know, we'll get stopped like walking around like with the these uh, sat trucks and people will be going oh, can I take a yeah. And that stuff's really nice. Um, and to be honest as well, like as an employer of other people, we can't afford a gym program, so uh, that is the <laughs> gym program. <laughs>
0: two Um, birds (laughs) but it's I mean and now as I say 15 years 100 issues later and I think a few years ago obviously you, you, you bumped up from uh, bi-monthly to monthly or to 11 issues a year, 10?
1: Yeah, well, the, it's. I tell you what, it's dead confusing because people will go like, so you've done 100 issues and it coincides with 15 years. How does that maths work? <laughs> and it is confusing. It's basically like, to explain that briefly, early on, we were, for the first year, we were actually like more like quarterly. Um, but there was like one every two months, then one every three months for a bit. And that was like the first year or so. And it was, you know, it was when we could put it out. Then up until about five years ago, we were every other month. And then it was yeah, it was about five years ago we did a Kickstarter to raise some money to go monthly. Yeah. But even when we went monthly, we were only doing eleven issues because um well basically like at that point, you know, for for, for most of the life of Left Lion, um everybody's been a volunteer, you know. Um, including me and including others and you know and for most of the life of the, this organization but about five years ago we actually sat down and went right we're in our 30s now and people are getting families and getting married and all that and we either need to um, to do this properly or we need to stop doing it and so we decided yeah we'd kind of you know we did a Kickstarter campaign and basically went if we go monthly we can do that we can employ staff we can stop creating jobs um, and it worked, happily it worked. So in terms of the issues, we were eleven issues a year until this year, when for the first year we did a January issue. Yeah. Um which did mean that, you know, over the Christmas holidays we were um delivering on our paper round, But <laughs> at the same time, it's quite a good thing to do that at that time of year, apart from the weather, just because um it gets rid of some of the excess weight that you put on for eating too much turkey. Yeah. yeah? Too much turkey and quality street.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving back onto the 100th issue, and obviously, you, obviously, not many people are working away on that now. So, is there anything you can tell us about the plans to celebrate? Yeah, um, I'll tell you what. We, we've, we've called in a, a few
1: old friends who we've interviewed along the way, and we've chatted to them again. So we've, you know, we pulled in a few big interviews. Jake bugs in it, basically, um, and you know, we had a nice chat with him and. We also like well I I did a few of these interviews myself and basically went to them like before there you go that's when we interviewed you first time, how's your life changed since then? So you look at someone like Jake Buck, right? And so I you know we I met him before he was his gig at the concert hall that last week. Yeah. And um and it was dead good, it was really nice to see it, because you know, I mean that bear in mind that that's a kid there who was seventeen when his life changed like, you know, a lot and he was only 18 when we first interviewed him and now he's like he's just turned 24 i think like you know having seen him recently he was always a very talented musician yeah. i mean that goes without saying but he's actually you know a lot more accomplished now like for his new album he's written three of the songs on the piano you know and um and also like i, I don't think you want me saying he's grown into a man he's become a man you know rather than like that like slightly chubby little boyish face he had like you know he's a you know he's there and he's you know there's a lot of lot of the slight awkward nervousness he had before, he's just you know, he's 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 basically become become what he is from four or five years at yeah. all, and it's really nice, it's really gratifying for us that he you know, he remembers us and was up for doing that, really. Um so Jake Boggs in it, um Jason from Sleep of Mods is in it. Yeah. Um Darren he was sat here this time last week in the room we are in. Um and I mean Sleaford Mods are brilliant as well. Like if yeah. you if you look at them in comparison to most acts that you expect to break up you know I'll, I'll be honest like i knew Stephen mods when they were very little we booked them a few times you know in our old offices they played in the corner um, not in the corner of the room the place was called the yeah. corner and they played there and um, and none of us really expected them to break and i like i'd say like that's due to their amazing willpower and the way they did it i mean who who expects like some blokes who were in their forties, they were in their forties when they like started to be successful, well into their forties. And um, and that's crazy, isn't it? In this yeah. music industry as it is. And if you look at like who they are as well, like um, you know, Jason, like I was chatting to him about how he used to work in a chicken factory doing like this horrible job. Um, and his manager was a bus driver. And, you know, I was and reading about that, Steve Steve yeah. and you and you look at all those things and just think, like how did they make it so big? And I tell you why—it's because they are brilliant. They are brilliant. They tune onto these yeah, guys, yeah. and like, and they've got fans all, along, all across the world now, and rightly so because they're brilliant. Yeah, they're, it'll be interesting to see. They booked the World Concert
0: Hall gig down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes down at the concert hall. That's, I mean, that was a strange <laughs> one, isn't it? But that's an element of Nottingham's a little bit. Once you get to a certain size, I mean, Jake played there, but his music probably more suited to that than, than far more than yeah. Sleeper Mods is. But I think I think I read their Basically said, you know, we've played Rock City time and time and time again, and there's, you know, unless the next, unless you're going to play at the stadium, mm. at the, then what's the do, ice? Yeah, thing. yeah, you, that's the only other place possibly the Albert. I mean, it's, Albert. and it's a beautiful place oh, as yeah. well.
1: It is a beautiful and place, it's just been you know, done up as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be along there, like to see it, but it is going to be interesting to see how it goes down, just because, um, you know, I love the concert, but they're not really mm-hmm. used to people standing up during gigs. Um, <laughs> and I don't think Sleeper Mods fans are used to sitting down. No.
0: <laughs> I remember seeing, I think, the first time I think I remember seeing them was um, at Stealth, and it was, was it, was it Branch Out, it was called? It was a free ah, Sunday yeah, afternoon festival that. that took place all over. Well, I mean, I mean, it was quite spread out, because I remember going to trades like Rock City down to Antenna and stuff like that. But they, they played, and we chatted to them after that. Yeah. And even then, and that was... Probably a couple of years before. So they, what? Well, obviously their songs have always been quite angry, you know, you know, talking about what's going on. But they latched on. They came along as well. I think at a time when that suddenly came.
1: became. This era of and if, Yeah, I mean, of, you know, the West, time you know. Of,
0: you know, Corbyn was revolutionising that anger within the Labour Party mm. and things like that. And you know, and they. But obviously, they're, they're great at it yeah they, they picked up on it in a way and that we've lost a bit as they, well totally they believe in
1: stuff you know genuinely like they've got like opinions they they, they 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 give a shit you know and that's it really and that comes that comes through in their music doesn't it and you know they're, they're, these are real people that's the thing that he's, he's you know it's almost real people but because of the way that the industry can be it almost seems like hyper real but it's just a, like, a, 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 hmm. a bloke who's a bit angry who's a talent for writing, and got another mate who's just they're good at making beats, and another mate who's they're good at organising stuff. I mean, how they did stuff like distribution before the they the last album was on Rough Trade, right? But that Harbinger Records before that um, was like was their own label. It was a, they're the only band that was signed to it, and how they managed to break in places like Germany and others is just masterful. Yeah. It's just masterful when you think about it like that, and just think like. You guys have been busy and you did this really well.
0: <laughs> I mean if you if you went into a, a studio and said, like, I've got this thing, I've got these two four year old guys, one of them, you know, plays a keyboard, one of them shouts a lot about what's wrong with the world, you get thrown out, wouldn't you? And never invite <laughs> back. And that's the only thing I think it, that's the maybe it's something that the, the bit more interconnected world offers that opportunity. I mean it makes it can make it a whole lot harder for musicians because there's so much more. Mm. Out of it can be out, but it does open up pathways. Your your route isn't only through the major, as I say. It shouldn't be, and if you explain it to someone, it shouldn't work, should it? No, exactly. And I was it's, watching. It's bizarre. <laughs> there's an advert for I think it's BBC Six Music, and it's got loads of musicians on talking about bands like Iggy Pop. First band he says is Sleaford Moss. Yeah. So it's, I mean that's incredible. It's amazing. I mean, isn't it. He talk,
1: so Jason talked about <laughs> Iggy Pop in the article actually, and um, but it's amazing, isn't it? You look at that, and yeah. And that industry respect they've got, but then there's you know it, it's great, isn't it? And one of the funniest things about Sleeper Mods is their songs are so Nottingham.
0: Mm. So not
1: you know there's these people in Germany singing along to Tied Up in Knots.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, and songs about people you and I know and things that you know. Like the, one of their songs is about like uh, Left Lion photo cover shoot that we organised. You remember that? Yeah, I remember. I remember music that. It the, sh- the one so at Rock City. They've written a song about that, and we're the we're the trendy fanzines. They keep <laughs> talking about it in a, in a yeah, slightly disparaging way but then like
0: it's just an honor to be in one of their songs isn't it yeah um, i think a band like that you would <laughs> you wouldn't expect them to do it in any other way would you exactly. if, if they did it if they were too praiseworthy i think you'd think they didn't really they were just bigging you up to try and you know grab your attention while you know when they're if they're doing it in a sort of disparagingly but not you know mean way then you know that respect there.
1: So yeah, so getting, getting Jake and, and Jake Bug and Sleaford of Mods back for The 100th Issue is really nice and it's just that kind of, you know, a bit completing in the circle really and just, you know, and then remembering us and what we did, the, the bit we did. I mean, loads of people have helped both of those acts in Nottingham more than we did, but, you know, but that's, you know, we are a bit of a platform for that yeah. and, um, and it's nice, it's really nice, you know, to see that and see our scene, you know, people in our scene succeeding really. Uh, and good on them, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, for both of them, they both deserve their success. I mean, for sleep at Mars, like, you know, like I say, they, it's amazing what they've done. It's amazing what both have done, but they really you know, both deserve it.
0: Yeah, it's been great, and I think it felt like a long time coming for Nottingham, didn't it? You it know? did, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. that's it, you know, when, you, you, when we talk about those days that, you know, you, know, you remember them too. Of you know, We published an article, well, it was probably in about 2006 when we did a music special um, asking why Nottingham hadn't had any music success for so long. I mean it was like KWS with a song about Des Walker. Like right. <laughs> please don't go all that one. And um and before that, you know, there was just this dearth of it all, and I think a lot's changed since then. I mean if you look at, you know, the 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 music establishment in Nottingham now, ranging from, you know, DHP and its venues to confetti and the tutorials and students that it puts out to music and the education outreach they do to great promoters like tommy farmyard and i'm not from london and just oh you know all the others and that that's only the tip of this brilliant iceberg of a nottingham music scene you know and you've got you've got this i mean look at all these brilliant independent venues i'm gonna i'm gonna miss someone out here but you look at like the maze you look at the chameleon you look at jt saw and you look at the fact that they're like there's you know i mean they're they're three brilliant independent venues but then you got bars putting on music all the time yeah. now, and this this almost wasn't a thing like back then, was it? It was you know we had Rock City, we had Junction Seven, we had the Maze, and then there was not really a lot else back then. And um, and yeah, it's, it's you know it's it's really good to see that music scene being what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean seeing artists from you know nottingham artists performing at, on the main stage Rock City. Yeah, maybe. maybe Someone had suggested that say you know, 10 years ago, you probably would have. Well, that's it, it, it was
1: Pitch Shifter. Pitch Shifter were the only mm. one that had ever done it in pretty much the whole life of Rock City until you know the last few years. And now you've got like you know Jake Boggs done it, Indiana's done it, Dog is Dead have done it, Sleep of Moz have done it, Ferocious Dog, yeah. even Arseful of Chips have done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. glad you're Arseful of Chips. Big love, ref. Um, but um, but you know, you see that and it's amazing, isn't it? And... Those people have done it on merit because they are selling enough tickets to do it.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing you know regularly at, at places like rescue rooms and but there you go, places like that regularly now you know Nottingham acts playing there, which is incredible. I mean, you know, so the, the maze has always been, you know, well, you know, it's been almost the, the training ground, the hasn't it? Yeah. for you know, there, there isn't a Nottingham artist that mm-hmm. hasn't honed their craft in particularly, you know, since know, Gen- uh, Junction Seven, which was another another one that sort of many started off at. Oh, but right. It's great to see that they've been. I mean, quickly, you know, say in DHP embracing the the scene and getting involved. We've, we've just had um, the festival, Beat the Streets, which they were involved in, and yeah, totally. You know, they, and it's the amount of Nottingham acts performing at things like Dot to Dot each year as well, which is incredible. Oh. You mentioned to me briefly and earlier on in that about the the cover shoot, which I think was a few was about two thousand and ten, eleven, something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, maybe twelve actually, twenty twelve, yeah. something like that. I mean, guess.
0: Which was I, was, I think it was kind of roughly along the same time period as uh, Mike, who used to write, Mike Atkinson, who used to write for you guys. Kate, mm-hmm. I think he still does. Um, wrote the article. In, in the, the garden, garden yes, which was yes. a pivotal moment, both of those things. I mean, that 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 photograph, the photo shoot at Rock City, was just incredible. I mean, it's hilarious when you I think re- back. I mean,
1: yeah. the, out of all the harebrained, stupid ideas we've come up with, the idea of getting what was it like three hundred people like in a room for a photo <laughs> is like it's quite hard. That
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I think the I, I remember the the, the phrase. Take a step back, becoming almost a mantra. Yeah. Um, I mean, and after, I think I've still got the the, the magazine at home somewhere. Mm. Yeah, unsurprisingly, <laughs> but it's been inc- it's incredible because I was probably only a couple of years into doing, sort of getting involved in the Nottingham music scene then. But looking and the fact, I was surprised just how many people on it are still. Still doing stuff. Still stuff. You know, a lot of them in different things than they were doing. Yeah. Back then. Oh well, that's it. Which is I think common, particularly being a university town. I mean, that's one of the benefits is that we have there's always freshing fresh. It's in- fresh great for in, you definitely. guys as well. I know you do your open house uh now because obviously Nottingham and always got new people, but it does mean that people fans Area for a few years, but then people drift off in different directions, then they go home or they go to work, and then so people come together, and then you get new bands.
1: Yeah, people collaborate. It's, it's interesting to see how it changes, isn't it? Mm. The one thing about that cover photo as well that fascinates me now is if you, um, if you do an exact like cross on the issue, right? Do you know who's right in the middle of all that? Moggs, the busker. And yeah, say he's a busker, the saxophone player who is in. The Invisible Orchestra and others, but he's very well known for his street busking. Yeah. And that guy, again, has been playing since the eighties. I like I found a video of him playing in the eighties on Nottingham Streets so and we were like, that can't be that <laughs> like, you know, and um and again I quite like that really. He's got a beer brewed after him now, you know, as well. Muggs has. Yeah. Yeah, it's by Black irons it's called Muggs Pale. Excellent. Um, it's a nice beer. And yeah. To Excellent. help him buy new teeth, I think that was one of because ah, right, okay. he had a problem with his teeth, yeah. bless him.
0: Yeah, it's great to see the community working like that, isn't it? I mean, we'll, yeah. another thing that Nottingham is great for is uh, micro breweries. Oh, I mean, obviously we've got a totally. rich, Nottingham's got a massive history in, in breweries, you know, Shipston's Home Ales and Kimberley and Mansfield and all that. But now we've got a growing list of microbreweries, breweries, aren't we? I well, probably. that's
1: it. And there's a new, there's a whole new craft beer scene kicking off. Mm. I mean, there's the. Uh, which we're involved in is Craft Beer Week which is coming up in June and um, and basically that's it's great to see all these pubs get together and do like, you know, and make make do this thing and that, that I mean that grows every year as well. So there's um there's a few guests. I mean beer people will know who these are more than anything. But people like Roger Protz has come in this year who's um written about eighteen books on beer. Yeah. And Melissa Cole who writes quite a lot of stuff for the Guardian and others, she's come in this year. There's a guy called Pete Brown who's, again, written about eight books on beer. And um, and there's this woman called Jaeger Wise, who is the head brewer at Wildcard Brewery. Um, and she's also a singer and the, a presenter on ITV's The Wine Show and all this other stuff. And you look at all these talented people, I mean, there's a really interesting movement going on in craft beer, particularly, that's about, you know, female brewers and all that, really. The whole, like, um, you know, getting the beard out of beer, that sort of <laughs> stuff, which, um, which ain't going to work for me and you, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite nice to see that, you know? Yeah.
0: It's interesting, I think, you know, for uh, you know, austerity and for all the horrors and things it can cause and continue to cause, it does lead to innovation. Yeah. And in things like, you know, unfortunately, it led to the closure of a lot of pubs, and we're still seeing that, and there's, you know, various factors have led into that. Um, but then we are seeing this new, I say craft beer, but also the micro pub and brewery. Yeah. I mean, I live over Beeston Way, and I think we've got we've got two over there, maybe even three over there already. You know, because like we've got um, Potter of the Blues, as one, well yeah. and Totally Tapped.
1: Ah, okay, Totally Tapped, yeah, yeah, yeah which is that. on the high road. Is that Totally Breeds pub? Is it?
0: I believe so. Brewery. I've not been into them yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Well, that's it's the, a
1: <laughs> the... The thing, I mean, I, I really like the idea that, you know, when we were talking about Shipstons and Home and all that, and, you know, I, I never really drank those, but I remember them because they sponsored the football
0: Yes, games. that's all I know about them. Um, I was too young to...
1: And then this wave came in where everybody was drinking like fosters and stella and all that and i know most people still drink that stuff but actually the idea that you you know drinking a beer that's been made and i mean for me when i go into the pub now i just want an interesting drink basically and i don't drink that much but what i don't want to do is you know drink five of the same pints of the same thing and actually the idea that it's been made by someone nearby you that's it's really good and again that wouldn't have happened like six, seven years ago, but these things come around, don't they? These things come around. There's a great brewing scene here, you know, and yeah. some great breweries, you know, like, you know, the, well, Black Iris are brilliant. They're a brilliant Nottingham brewery. Like, Neon Raptor have just moved in, just pretty much our neighbours in the market. They're really good. You've got Totally Brewed, you've got all these others, and it's just really good to see all that happening, really. Yeah,
0: you got know, navigation. Navigation, brewery, exactly. Head Brewer Navigation
1: was there at the dawn of Left Line as well. as one yeah. of their old mates, Tom Flint, shout out there. Yeah, very talented beer maker.
0: It's great to see. And I mean, the, the, some of them have grown to the point now as well where they're opening pubs. I mean, you've got Crafty Crow in places like that that are run exactly. by these, you know, that start off some of them in someone's garage. Well, that's say Magpie Brewery, you yeah.
1: know, who run those. They're just brilliant what they do. Yeah, I love beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm actually the same as you now. I, I like to go and Know, pick out a drink. Sometimes it's hitting me, so sometimes you get one and you, you're like, oh dear. <laughs> but that's sort of the. Fun. I mean, the
1: other thing is, like, it's it's worth knowing that Nottingham Beer Festival, particularly at the castle, and I know it's going to move this year because they're redoing it, yeah. is just one of the best beer festivals in the country, if not in Europe. You know, I, I remember the old days when it was a big swoon. Yeah, I used to go uh, to that. and it was all right then. You know, it was fun, but if you know that the whole experience of Nottingham Beer Festival at the castle has been magnificent and fingers crossed they can continue that as they move to temporarily move home to the ice arena. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, it's going to be just a different... Yeah. Bit of a yeah. different vibe it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I'd like I say, it's been, it's been interesting. So you, you've got some, obviously we, we've talked mainly about the music that's in there, which is obviously a big scene, but Left Line is also, you know, the, the, the literature, which, you know, I think Nottingham maybe doesn't get the recognition it deserves for its literacy, not just going back, obviously, to... You know, to Silito and Lawrence and that, but there's a lot of. I mean, we've got a lot of great authors. We've got, a, you know, are a city of literature upstairs. Yeah. Um I was at an event last week um for a book, um Gra- Graham Caverney. I know yeah. Graham really well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that was he. He did a talk of that in. Uh, it's a brilliant Houston. book as
1: well. It's a brilliant book. And um, he's helping to change the church certain Yeah, he's, he, talk he talks about.
0: He talked about the response in things like uh, is it the tab, the, the church magazine and things yeah. like that that they got. But it was it's interesting. He actually talked about some of the less um, pleasant reactions he's had from some of his contemporaries of school age. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think people perhaps just don't want well, to. No one wants their childhood. No, so, I mean to, to, to be, be clear to
1: the readers, there's Graham Cavaney's written a book um, and it's about um, it's about how he was abused when yeah. he was younger. Um, but it's written with real levity, like the book's sweet and funny, and you know, and it just you know, it's basically you know he talks about the priest that was his friend but also was his abuser. Yeah. Um, and it's well worth reading that. I mean, we we've interviewed Graham uh, well fairly recently when he launched that book, and um, and I actually knew him when he because he, he's got an interesting story as Graham. He yeah. was a writer for a lot of magazines, Enemy, The Face, and others, and I. I first came across him, because I, I did my dissertation at uni on beat poets, and I used his books as source material, and then when I met him in Nottingham, I was like, are you that bloke? And he was like, yeah, I'm that bloke, and what a great writer, you know? And uh, there's other writers, like you, you mentioned, you you've got John McGregor here, who's yes. this like, powerhouse, who's like nominated for, been, been, well, he's been Booker nominated, like, loads, really he's,
0: he's won yet, sh- but, just Oh yeah, he won, won.
1: like, um, I can't remember what it was, he won an award this yeah. year, and you know him, you've got Nicola Monaghan, Valentine, she goes under both names. Um, you've got loads of great authors, haven't you? You know, and it's a really strong scene that, you know, with without outposts now, a bit like we were saying about the music scene, their scene's grown with, you know, the, the writer's studio, um, with um right in East Midlands and with, you know, Five Leaves. Yeah, know? not even, must be one of the cities, the only cities that's opened an independent broadcast yeah. in the last few years. And you know, and there's all those things and all, all those outposts for writers now that are really good. Cool. And obviously, you mentioned UNESCO City of Literature, that status and that the, what that brings to it. So, I mean, it's great, isn't it, really? In terms yeah. of literature in Left Light as well, like if I might talk about a couple of my favorite bits, I mean, one of them, I, I didn't do this interview, it was done by James Walker, uh, but he did the last ever interview with Alan Silito. Yeah. And, um, and what a magnificent writer um Alan Silateau was and there's an issue of our Mac that we did that was a Saturday night, Sunday morning special. It was masterminded by James Walker and Al Needham um, at the time and they even to the point that there's a letter that Alan Silateau wrote to Nottingham that appears on the front cover. Um, and it was just lovely, you know, to, to do that piece with him to to do that. We had Ian McKellen was in that issue as well, yeah. you know. And the reason he was in it was because Ian McKellen was one of his first roles was to play Arthur Seaton in Saturday night, Sunday morning at the Playhouse. Yeah, um, I think so... I heard
0: about that when they, because it was recently, they were celebrating I can't 60 years, maybe something like that. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, and that's it, and you know, the fact that, I mean, they, it wasn't me that got in touch with him at the time again, but I know that the way they were able to get in touch with someone that's, you know, that's of that status, that's yeah. in mega Hollywood films like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf and um, X-Men, and stuff like that is um, is because of the fact that he remembered fondly Alan Silito and doing that role, you know? If that was just, can we do a career interview, I don't think he'd have done it. Um, but it's, and it, really? I mean, th- these are the beauty, beautiful stories of Nottingham, really. Th- these, these amazing little things that you find out about your hometown that you just don't quite seem believable, yeah. and then you realise they're true. You know, my, my sister lives in the States, and I, I've got a few friends from the States, and when... When we tell them stuff like, you know, we've got a pub that was, I mean, how old is that pub? It's like 700 years old, isn't it? We'll Yeah. And um, when you tell them they've got a pub that's like about four times older than their country, yeah. then like, you know, and that's not being disrespectful to America and its rich cultural tapestry. But one thing we do have, you know, in Nottingham or Snottingham or Gotham or wherever, <laughs> you know, whatever this town we've been in has been called in the past. Like is like is this weird history that when you know, when you walk around you probably walking on steps that people are like, you know, like the the author of Peter Pan might, yes, might have stepped on, or like, you know, the founder of A C Milan and all these things that have happened that this energy that's been around yes, this place I mean, for it's, hundreds and hundreds of years. You no, know,
0: it's the place where um... It Charles the First raised the banner, raised, well, raised the, standard. the banner standard for the Civil War, yeah. was completely changed We them. could have been
1: the capital, goddammit! <laughs> yeah. London,
0: your time's up. One of my favourite things about the, the the pub situation is the fact that there's like, there's a little, there's almost a little battle between the trip, the no, sound, and the is the, the oldest, and I think there was a time... It was time team, and it was, yeah,
1: if, get... if Tony Robinson-Baldrick says it's that one, it's that
0: one. Yeah, I think, <laughs> didn't they, they, they basically said, you know, like, one was the oldest building. One was the oldest of being a public house, and one was the oldest foundation. They, they, they basically. I think were a bit diplomatic about yeah. it, weren't yes. they? In the, yeah. Um, I'm asking you. I mean, really, you know, it's a difficult thing to prove, and you can only because there was cause,
1: no internet then.
0: No. <laughs> not, that not that. That's much more reliable, to be fair. True. True. Yeah. You mentioned then as well, obviously, um, the founder of AC Milan, which is a topic close to your heart at the moment, mm-hmm. you've been working on, uh, Herbert Kilpin, have you pronounced that right? Yes, yes. And uh, you've obviously uh, recently, or as part of Left Line, extended, which we well, not try and come back to you later because that's another, thing. You, you did the, the documentary Lord of Milan. Yes, we did. So um, how did that come about as a project?
1: Well. Basically, like the so there's a guy called Robert Nieri who wrote a book called The Lord of Milan, and he we probably featured him first, about three years ago. We did a little interview with him, um, and he first heard about it actually, like through the Evening Post. Uh, there's a brilliant writer called Richard Williams who some of your older listeners might remember. He was he, he, he's stalwart at the Guardian. Um, he was like their you know chief sports editor for years and things, and. Um, and he used to present on the show called The Old Grey Whistle Test as well, he was one of them presenters. So a great old school journalist called Richard Williams who did a book about Italian football and talked about Herbert Kilpin. And the poet ran a story about that and Robert Nieri read it in there. And then, so Robert Nieri spent like 10 years, a decade, researching um, the life of Herbert Kilpin, um, who, who came from Nottingham. I think it was a really fascinating story for Robert, because Robert's half Italian. Yeah. Um, Robert speaks fluent Italian, and um, and you know, like this was the book he felt he had to write. I mean, he's got a day job working as a solicitor, basically. But this is, you know, so, so a lot of credit needs to go to him. He was the trailblazer for us. We we got involved because we worked heavily on a project called City of Football, yeah. and, um, and we met him through that. Um, again, after the first interview. Yeah and we were looking at ways to get him involved in the City of Football project but it didn't quite fit because, you know, he was involved in it but the the, story that he had was so much bigger and um, so it was kind of inspired, the the relationship between us was inspired by that project Um, and then at a certain point um, there was a certain point where Robert was trying to say, because he knew we did video, and he was trying to say, I think you should come to Milan, and you should come and do all this. Um, And to be honest, we were like, that sounds amazing, but who's going to pay for it? (laughs) And um, and then just a few things aligned. I think the moment that I was like, I'm in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to self-fund it, um, was when we realised that the game that was taking place in Milan on the 100th anniversary of Herbert Kilpin's death was um Notts County versus Juventus, oh yeah, and basically we were we were looking out and when the fixtures were released, we were just like, because obviously as a fellow pie you know the story about Juventus for well yeah. as well um and when that came about we were just like that's I don't know that's energy we need to follow um so yeah, so we ended up going out to Milan and filming up there and not quite knowing what we were gonna do at that point, we were basically at that, and the point that we were there, we were like well, we'll make a, you know, documentary it could be like 20 minutes, half an hour and tell people a story about his life the kind of thing that would be suitable to show school kids you know, and things like that, which you you know, and, and just get the word out a bit more, um, but then when we were out there, we stumbled across these characters, so the, another guy that's really pivotal in resurrecting Herbert Kilpin, um literally and figuratively is a guy in in, in milan called luigi Larocca, right so this is a guy who back in the 80s before again before the internet set himself a challenge that um he was going to document every single player that had played like any time for ac milan he was going to put together a list i mean these there's three guys that play a big part in the film italian guys and these guys are proper like brilliant geeks and they, he, all he wanted to do was get together the list of players that had ever played for AC Milan, and he he got that together. But he discovered this guy who at the time was known as Alberto Kilpin, and he dug and dug a bit more, you know, for information about him, and realised this was the guy that founded the club, and uh, this was the first AC Milan founder, like, essentially ma- manager as well for a while, and you know the guy that that put all this together. Um, and then he discovered where he was buried. He, like, this was a long journey for him, basically. This this took decades. But he discovered where he was buried, and he was buried in an unmarked grave. I mean, Herbert Kilpin died during World War II. So, um, so basically he died in a, you know, it, during all that, and there was a lot of death, obviously, during yeah. that world war, and he was buried like unceremoniously. And so Luigi de Rocca petitioned the Milan, AC Milan the powers that be and just went, this is our founder, you have to give him more respect. So literally they um, exhumed his grave. And, um, and Luigi La Roca carried his bones um, in a like a small casket in a ceremony and they, he's now Herbert Kilpin now rests in a cemetery called uh, the Monumental Cemetery, Cemetery Monumental, you can google it, basically in Milan. And um, and he rests there with, like, the kind of the high society of Milan, like Umberto Eco, the writer, was put in there a couple of years ago. Um, Cesare Maldini, Paolo's dad, is in there. And this is, you know, and he's honoured now to be in that company. But, I mean, the big thing was that this this whole story was lost for a long time. It was, you know, it was pretty much lost from the Second World War until certainly the 90s and, you know, the dawn of the, the millennium. And then... It was due to people like Robert Nieri and Luigi La Rocca that this story came back. Because um, otherwise we might never have known this. And yeah, from... So from there, like you know, we started to make a film. Um, I think one of the reasons that film meant a lot to me was A, I love football, um, and B, I walked past his old house. Yeah. twice every day so I walk into work basically and our old office was um, next to the Adams building so I walked past his old house on Mansfield Road which nowadays you can see is tarted up with a you know a bit more AC Milan branding than it was and I walked past that house and walked to work and I worked in the building next door to where he worked and the idea that for me that, that like the founder of AC Milan, a guy who you know who who left Nottingham and never came back at the age of twenty-one, but was born and brought up here. It was Darren? He was one of like fifteen children yeah. in that little house. Um, this is an extraordinary story, and basically, like I think you know, it was a real pleasure to work on.
0: I mean, and that's that's an incredible to go from you know starting up this magazine in your in your flat, and you know who would have ever imagined that it would then go to. Creating a documentary about the man that founded AC Milan. Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind, you know, back then, no one even knew that it was someone from Nottingham. Yeah. You know, we all, well, obviously, like you say, we all know. Well, most people are aware of the Juventus County link, which was obviously acknowledged, kind you know, nicely by them when they opened their new stadium. Well, but there was this. This was an un, until until recently, you know, the book and your film, it was a no. I don't think anyone really knew. No, this story. So that's an. In, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you must. That's always pinch yourself.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. It's the. So that it's the details. I mean, I just love a good story. So, for example, um, we talked about the Juventus link, and we what we discovered along the way um, was that Herbert Kilpin was actually friends with um, Tom Savage, basically the guy that gave the stripes. So they, they, there's photos of them together, which we, we've never seen, and and. And we managed to find those photos of, of them, you know, in a football lineup. Bear in mind, this was a time when it wasn't people didn't have phones on their cameras, they didn't, no, have phones, was, didn't have didn't yeah, have phones. Yeah, you we know, had to, we had to work. And, um, didn't yeah, it? and you know, there's, there's, there's when we discovered a photo of them sitting together, and like it was amazing. It was an amazing moment where stuff started to click. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of. I mean, for us, you know, I, I guess you know my background as well as. Um, Doing the magazine, you know, I've as I said, I've always been doing other jobs, and I did run a film team for a few years before this, um, but that was making like commercial films, really, and you know, and then we made films throughout Left Line, like short films that got yeah. online. So, so that was kind of the lead in, but yeah, to actually do a feature length documentary was um, was a, a challenge, and um, I mean, look, big credit needs to go to this to Georgie Skirfield, the co-director. Basically, she. She knew nothing about football when we started. Um, and she's still blissfully ignorant of some things. <laughs> but what she brought to that film was incredible. You know, she brought um, a lot of the soul of it. She she did all the hard work as well, to be honest. I mean, like, you know, she... we, we oh, I helped to edit it, but she was the one that was there, you know, in, like, in Premiere, basically. Like, actually doing the legwork with that. Um, so, yeah. And it was fun. I mean, you know, we mentioned that the... So the film, the film did a small run at Broadway last in October. I did one night at Broadway actually, um, and then we took it to Milan, um, and we won a couple of awards at the Fix Film Festival F I C T S, which is um, like a massive Olympic-sponsored film festival, it's all sport-focused. Um, the people there were like, it's the Oscars of sports. Um, and it was fun, you know. It was fun. I mean, I mean, the obviously it was well received because it was in Milan. Um, but we like presented the trophy by like Marco Fassoni, the chair of the CEO of AC Milan, um, and it was crazy. And um, the future plans for the film are so you know it's films have a shelf life of a, a yeah. couple of years, really. And what you know, obviously, there's we there's quite a lot of money gone into the film. So what we can't do is release it free to everybody straight away. Um, But what we are doing, there'll be another run, I'm hopeful, around the time of the World Cup, there'll be a few more showings in Nottingham. Um, There might be some cinema screenings in Milan. Um, There might be some appearances at film festivals across the country and, you know, it's certainly been entered into a few of those. And then, um, again, this is a bit of an exclusive because we haven't put this out on Left Line yet, there will be a DVD release in October. DVD and download release for the masses, you'll be able to buy it in Nottingham places. And see this thing we created, you know, and um, and it is proper Nottingham. Like, there's there's been a lot of like Nottingham influence. Like, you might not even know this, but do you know Rob Rosa Maniero, Bohemians, the band and yeah. them? So he's written the soundtrack. We, uh-huh. we we made like you know some some decisions along the way that didn't, well, they, they, they were the right decisions, but at the time, then you know, I was second guessing myself, going, "Is this the right thing?" So when we, when we make a lot of um, videos for clients, you know, as we do, which is part of the agency that we we run as well, then we tend to use, you know, music from catalogues, like it's not, it's not you know, it's good music, but we tend to use that, and we kind of edited the film to start with, using music from people that we had the rights to use, but people that we'd never met or would never meet. And we got to a stage of it, going, could this be better if, you know, and quite, we're fairly late in the process, can we, like, can we do something with this? And I knew Rob Rosa, the um, the musician who runs the brilliant band called Mania de Bohemian, and I knew him, and I kind of, i knew he was a big football fan. So I kind of went like, "Rob, do you fancy coming and pitching in on this and having a look?" And um, and I think it was a new experience for him as well, you know, because what you've got to bear in mind is he's—he's he's an amazing musician. Yeah. He's used to working with musicians all the time, but he was essentially jamming with Georgie video editing, and they were looking at stuff. And we, you know, he composed original music for it, and he picked other music that was, you know, that was from the period. And we we basically replaced. The music in the film, too you know, fairly late notice, um, and did re-edits based around that, and yeah, and it was a proper Nottingham crew, you know, like all the camera people were from Nottingham, and it was lo- lots of it's filmed in Nottingham. We took the Italian geezers, you know, Luigi and his two friends, who who are the just the epitome of mental fans. I mean, the <laughs> another point when we were filming in Milan, so there's, there's famous footballers in the film, like there's. Like, Daniela Massaro, who scored the winning goal in the 94 Cup final. And uh, Giovanni Lodetti, who was, like, a Italy and AC Milan stalwart in the 70s. And um, Luther Blissett. Luther Blissett, the awesome Luther Blissett's in it. And Mark Hately, proper Nottingham boy. Yeah. Mark Hately's in it. So there are, like, you know, there's these there's famous footballers in this film, this documentary. But, actually, when we met Enrico, Luigi, and Pier Angelo, they became such this pivotal part because there were these basically obsessive Milan fans. And, um, and I mean, the, the, none of this was planned when we went out to film in Italy. We met them at Robert's book launch, which we were filming as kind of, you know, cutaway footage, and they started interrupting. And um, and then one of them, Enrique, we chatted to him afterwards, and he went, would you like to come and see my small personal collection of memorabilia? And I thought, yeah, like, you know, we are doing an interview with him around a few shirts or whatever. We got to his small collection of memorabilia, And it was about, like, 200 square foot museum. It was just crazy, like, full of stuff. You'll see it in the film, full of stuff. And again, like, these these are people that... I mean, when we chatted to him, he he actually stopped going to the Games a few years ago. And it wasn't because, like many Milan fans, he was kind of falling out of love for it. It was because he was worried about his health. Because he gets so worked up during the Games. So what he started doing instead was he started sitting at home and like taking notes during the games I mean this is a guy that, that like writes three or four pages every game he, he hand writes out what the team is what minutes the goals are scored and all this stuff that you can just go on a website and get yeah. nowadays he hand writes out and files it in one of the books in his like library basically and it's this whole like brilliantly obsessive thing that these fans do that you know this club means so much to them and we brought them back to Nottingham and showed them the Herbert Kilpin's birthplace, which, frankly, at the time, and was a, in an appalling state. You know, it looked like a crack den, basically. <laughs> and we showed him this, and you know, and we were kind of like, "This is actually the birthplace of Italian football," you know. And it, many people would say it is, like, because it was the place where, you know, Herbert Kilpin found, but basically was born. And um, and yeah, and they like we showed him around Nottingham. We showed him around, you know places that he had a kick around and that's the you know it's one of the things i love about this time the reason we made that film more than anything is because we like telling stories and that actually seemed a much better medium to do that than do a you know an article in a magazine which we have done but actually there's something really visual about that um and it's been brilliant you know it's been weird like the fact that you know we've got an audience in milan now that like you know Pronounced left lion wrongly, um, <laughs> left lion, and uh, left line, left lane, and um, and the fact that, you know, that these people are kind of interested, you know, we are showing bits of Nottingham to people in Italy on, you know, audiences of 200 in a yeah. cinema setting, and like, um, and it's great, you know, and there's, there's hopefully there are, there'll be more like, you know, we'll be involved in this, we're only part of this movement, you know, but like, and Robert is really spearheading this in Nottingham. Um, but that you know that there should be exchanges. I believe there's talks that there might be a Milanese poet coming over for the poetry festival, and that there'll be more celebrating of Herbert Kilpin. You know we've got a plaque, we've got his birthplace. Yeah. There's a You know there's a pub, brilliant pub, in his name and others. But having this little trail, because actually you know, a there's a few reasons this is a good thing. One is because this guy did an extraordinary thing, and he needs to be remembered. And two is, frankly, it's good for our economy. Like the fact is that there are Italian football fans that are coming over to, you know, to Nottingham and thinking of this place as a birthplace of Italian football, you know, with the fact that we've got like, we've given Juventus their stripes and that the founder of AC Milan was born here.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, you know, that it is legitimately what did happen is people from our city and, you know, and other places, but in in England, but people from England went over to places like Italy and, you know, we were 30 years ahead, we're both Notts County fans, we know that in 1862 our club was founded, yeah. Milan wasn't founded till 1899, so there was 37 years of of, um, of experience of what being a football club was about, that went into, you know, I mean Herbert Kilpin was, you know, would have been around Nottingham when Notts County were a real thing when he went to Italy, there was nothing like this yeah. all that man wanted, wanted to do was play a game of football really, but he ended up Going through all this red tape to, to do it and having to teach Italian people how to play.
0: And now it's, well, I mean, you look at Italian football now. Yeah, yeah they're pretty good. They haven't yeah. qualified for the World Cup, but they're, they're pretty good on it. Yeah, they won it? not, It's not that long ago they won it, is it? Yeah, and it's okay. certainly a lot more recent than we did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering, thinking, I bet there can't be another city in this country that has uh, such a link with Italian football that we do. No, there, there, isn't, yeah, there a, certainly isn't. There's a. There's a, there's a, there's a Knox County wing in, of the Juventus, you know, there's an Italian magpies wing that come over once totally. a season, um, and vice versa. We made a little so,
1: film about them as well. You've you seen that, Two Hearts, One Soul. So that's, a, yes, that, that one's think, uh, widely available. You can just put that into YouTube and check out Two Hearts, One Soul. Yeah. but it's, you know, it's, I mean, what Andy Black does to draw that together and, uh, and, um, Giorgio in, in Italy is, you know, it's really nice.
0: It's really nice. Um, yeah, I read, the, I read the piece you did obviously on, on Lordham Line and there was a piece about um, the Juventus link. Well, the interesting thing about, I think Andy wrote that, cause I, I know Andy a bit from the statue uh, fund, hmm. but is the fact that it turned out that um, isn't everyone had his name wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, same as Alberto Kilpin, I mean yeah.
1: he, for years he was known as John Savage and, Andy, I, I went to Italy with Andy. Actually, I didn't. I didn't go with a camera. I just went with a group of people to watch a Juve game and watch Andy get a thing changed in the Juventus museum. It was amazing. He took like the relatives of uh, of Tom Savage, Tom Gordon Savage. There, there's another one he dug out as well. That I, I, you know, I don't know loads about this, but there was a referee. I think his name's Henry Wrigley. Like Italian football's first referee came from like yeah, basically. Uh, I might have got the name wrong, but I think it's Henry. Yeah. I know so. he's
0: been involved in uh, getting a headstone for. I think it's Jimmy Logan. The yeah, hat, the, hat, the guy that scored the hat trick, you know, one and only FA Cup win. Yeah. some years, back. you yeah, know, I don't think now. we're going
1: to win it again anytime soon. Derek. No, <laughs> <laughs> i I don't
0: want to talk about FA Cup. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give up on that. Game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fascinating they say that. From oh mate, is that? Oh, I know it's a cliche, you're thinking of a small acorn, you grew this amazing movie, you know, That's ties Nottingham with Milan. <laughs> it's yeah. Amazing. And yeah. further further ties Nottingham with Italian football. And the same, you know, through the 90s, Italian football was the. But yeah, that, I mean, that's that tie up there, and it's obviously a brilliant view. I mean, I can see the the awards behind you on the yeah. thing. Um, so you say October, you say that's... That's we when we'll is. do a DVD release.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, we're still in talks, but hopefully it'll be shown again at Broadway cinema in around the time of the World Cup. Um, and, um, yeah, so that'll be the next chance people in Nottingham can see the, the whole film. Um, and then, um, yeah, then basically we'll do a, a, a release where people can just buy it to watch at home, um, come October ready for Christmas, really. Cool. Um, it's a good film for, like, I don't know, for dads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: lads, and to be honest. Yeah, I mean, sure. I've shown it my 14-year-old nephew, and part of it is we are, you know, eventually we want, you know, we'll, we'll, at the appropriate point, which will probably be a year or two away, right? we will just try and give Schools in Nottingham this film to show to people, because it's an inspiring story, you know? It is kind of, it, to, you know, to give that context, like, If you look at it, you know, look at the people who played for Milan, ranging from Franco Baresi to Paolo Maldini to Shevchenko to Kaká to Ronaldinho to, you know, to Beckham to, like, basically just some of the world's greatest ever footballers have, you know, worn those red and black stripes. And, um... And all that would have been really different if yeah. it wasn't for herbert kilpin i mean he's the guy that made them wear red and black you know he, he said like our colors will be red like the devils and black so we will strike fear into the heart of opponents and um and the influence of that is just you know all those little butterfly wings that this guy who a butcher's boy from nottingham who worked in the lace industry here and ended up being shipped over there because he was dead cut at his job and you know and they needed some of that in italy and he just wanted to kick around. And so yeah. he just went and formed AC Milan.
0: <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, still one of the biggest, most famous clubs. You know, in the world, yeah. You know, I mean, they're doing better now as
1: well, yeah. Mean, and the, the, well, the other thing is, you know what, like, what is important is football. I, I love football, and I know you do too, but football's not full of positive messages all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, there's a lot of man babies in football and people who earn far too much money. And... You know all stuff, the stuff—the Sky and the Premier League and the billions of pounds and the hundreds of thousands a week to players. I hate all that stuff, and it—it it just turns me off. You know, I don't really follow the Premier League no, anymore. I, I don't enjoy it. And I, I think you know there's some great actual football played there, but the whole money ball thing that it's just become is just disgusts me, basically. And mm. um, and so. Looking back at the stories, you know the the roots of things like that. Bear in mind, you know what Herbert Kilpin did was founded a club that was sold for seven hundred million last year. He didn't do it for the money. He never got paid a bill for it. Do you know what I mean? And like, and I think if 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 kids and people as they grow older can start to remember that, then maybe football has got some hope. But you know what I would say is that it's just on a mission to eat itself at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I growing up when I was a kid, I was obsessed with everything about football you know not not quite the extent of the, the Milan fans but I was one of them that had the, the match wall chart I religiously updated I could tell you every score goal score in all the divisions now I can't I couldn't even tell you who played who in the Premier League or hmm. that you know yeah in fact outside of county I barely have much clue what's going on in that division <laughs> to be on top of the bit that's around them yeah. and how close they are to you know Generally the bottom but this year's <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's a shame and it's yeah, you know, unfortunately it's gonna get worse before it gets any better. It's, you know, it probably, it's probably never gonna get any better, is it?
1: Well people should support their local teams, that's what I say. I'm a county fan, but if you support Forest I have massive respect for you. Um more because you shouldn't be supporting like Manu. Yeah, really? no, I will say that. Like, if you're from Manchester, of course you should support Man U. But yes. really, like, and to be fair, if you support Man U and you've ever been to a game, there's a bit of respect. It's just more like, can we all stop like supporting teams that you see on Telly? Can we all stop buying Sky Sports? Okay, I think the, Nick it, the get issue, it free.
0: The problem there. <laughs> Bank think... from Murdoch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you hit down there, yeah, the now there is Sky, because. It's, there's so much telly on. The, you just, the kids now are far more likely to see Man United play every week than yeah. they are to be because for most people now as well, it's, it's even to knotts, it's not cheap. I mean, they're, they're, they're good value in comparison. So people aren't able to go to matches. So kids, that's where they see all their football now on telly. Yeah. And there's an element of who's going to go out and watch, out on a cold night and watch Knots mm. play League Two football when they could sit at home and watch, you know, Sergio Aguero and... I totally. That ...on in the But if people, night.
1: you know, if people do but, wonder why, like, some idiot is paid 300 grand a week when, like, you know, and, and you kind of wonder why, then it's basically, if anybody wondering that, like, pays for Sky, then that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And well, if, you... if you ever want to change that, because, frankly, like, there's so many people that, you know, that should be, you know, you look at that compared to, like, Nurses. I mean, my missus is a nurse, and you look at what they do for a living, and you think about it and just go, "This is disgraceful," you know. It, it is so. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's why I hate football. Like I hate football as it is. Um, but I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah. The uh, World Cup is going to be amazing.
0: Well, um, been, it's in Russia and so. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not going this year, I went in 2014 actually. I you went to Brazil. Back to Brazil didn't you? And yeah, I remember. And you. Filmed at like that. I was did, doing some journalism stuff there, and that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'm not going this <laughs> year because I think I'd get killed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's yeah, it well, I mean football is almost a poster boy capitalism in it really. You know, those, those players get paid that because that's what that industry brings in. And yeah. if unfortunately know, as much as it'd be nice to see that go to other people, the only other people that would go to other than the footballers is, is the people that own the football clubs. Yep. So you know yeah. but um that's you know that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> So um we've said, you know, hundred issues, fifteen years, um from you know, like you said, from a, from a flat and, you know, pushing that issues is just when you could to a monthly magazine and a a creative agency on that's producing films as well as you know, you, I mean you did a student guide, which I've seen and obviously you do a lot of external work for clients. Mm. Um what's next for well, offline?
1: That's a good question. Um well we're gonna Celebrate stuff with our birthday, so, um... You you can have more exclusives, so like, whether you get this news out before us either way is fine. Annie's Burger Shack is going to do a left-line burger for a bit. Oh, amazing. That's the April special, um... So that's nice, I mean, because we love Annie, and hasn't she done brilliantly since the days when she was in the, you know, the kitchen at the Angel? Um... So there's that, I mean, like, there'll be a lot of stuff this year, the, you know, the, the Lord of Milan stuff continues, um... We will be celebrating our birthday with a few things. I want to, and I, I, I want to put out a book, um, not a book of me writing, although I will write a bit in it. But I want to put a book out of the covers. So I'm going to oh, do right that, yeah. I think, and that hopefully we might do it crowdfunding to do that a bit. Um, but I want to do that. Like obviously, printing a thing without any adverts in it is more expensive, um, or at least there's, you know we have to charge for it. But no. um, I wanna do that. Um, I think I mean partly like, you know, it's it, it's consolidating what we do, really. Like there's uh we've got an amazing team of really you know, talented people at Left Lion and to be honest, like what's next for Left Lion is kind of up to them. Like, yeah. you know, we've got an amazing editor, Bridie Squires, who like, you know, who's the fourth editor of Left Lion, basically, but she's she came to us as a an, an apprentice. I can yeah, I think I've remember um, the one
0: you had at, I think he does a um as an apprentice, I think she's she, she with Sam. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, Sam now, who's who's now
1: part of music. And um and when they joined us like four or five years ago, you know, I, I remember when she wrote in, um, she wrote the best application letter, it was all in the knots dialect. Um and she'd been working in bingo once before it. Um but um but she's brilliant, that girl. So like I mean what I'd say is that I'll always be Quite involved helping and running Left Lion, but um but I'm writing a bit in the hundredth issue, and then I'm probably going to step back a bit from it really, and let Bridie do what she wants because because um, she's you know it's her time basically it's her, basically, she it's she her, her time her on, it? yeah, yeah, yeah and and you know in terms of that I know she's got new ideas and bringing new stuff in, and it's important that because. Frankly, if if I was if I'd been editing Left Line for fifteen years, I'd be tired and jaded. I wouldn't love it yeah. anymore. And I do, and, but what I like doing is supporting, you know, that brilliant team that we have. Um, so yeah, so you know, I mean, we'll we'll be publishing lots of issues. I can tell you that. And okay, there's so, like yeah. you know, we do, I think we you know in, in other stuff the the more random stuff we, um, we've got an interesting project lined up. Um, it's a poetry thing that um, I can't talk about much at the moment, but if it comes off, it'd be great and it's really ambitious. Um, we we want to, I mean, we'll always, as always, we want to support the good stuff going on, you know, like Hockey Hustle, uh, like City of Literature, like Music, and be as, you know, And I'm not from London and others, and be as supportive as possible to those things and people. Um, I think what's, what is important, I mean, in, in that 100th issue, I was looking back and one thing that changed, you remember when we used to put on a lot of gigs? Yeah, and um, and we stopped, and the reason we stopped, and it was such a good thing that we stopped, was that um, that basically, like, yeah. I think we helped make room for other promoters by doing that. Like, you know, there were, there were, of course, there were other promoters that were doing Nottingham-centric gigs. But actually, if you look at it, Will Robinson, was running our gigs for the last bit of it, and then at the point that we went, we're not doing this anymore. Um, I think he flourished and. You know and so it's more important supporting things like that that we do, do it all. rather than yeah. trying to own it all. You know, people should do their own things and like and we open it up if we can. And you know, and that's you know, we need support from you know, from advertisers and people too. But you know, at the end of the day, it's we, I think we're part of Nottingham's ecosystem where you know, what we should be doing is you know, is, is publicizing the big things. Um, and Getting revenue from that by advertising and then supporting the small things that yeah. can't afford to pay for that. I, that's how I see the role of that, um, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, we're just going to carry on doing cool stuff. We'll always have crazy ideas come up, and you know, I'd like to make another film at some point. Like we, we will always these will always be documentaries. That's what I yeah. have to say. I'm not about to. You know, we've been at film festivals and been chatting with other film people and. You know, sometimes it's hard to keep a straight face when someone's telling me about, like, his vampire film, basically. (laughs) And I am, like, kind of, you know, I I mean that nicely. I think there's loads of talented people out there. It's just that uh, we're never going to make a vampire movie. No. Okay, not unless it's a documentary and we find out that vampires actually exist in Nottingham. Yeah, it Um... sounds like (laughs) that Bram Stoker
0: came up with the idea while visiting the castle or something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we'll wait for the next good story, you know. Well, this Um, is it. I mean, you know, a couple of um, you know three four years ago um, you know if you were having film ideas you know lord of milan wouldn't have been anything <laughs> you'd have thought of would it so exactly like you 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 came across a story and you say you chose the best medium mm. for that story and it turned you know documentary and, you know at some point i'm sure something else will uh, will come on your radar and...
1: exactly and you know something will come up it's about following energy a lot,
0: yeah. really. So yeah. i notice, I mean, obviously you do a lot of um, you, you know, the vlogging and things like that. You know, I mean, it's, that's the thing. I mean, my kids are obsessed with the YouTube. The yeah. The YouTubers. I, see, I wish you had um, a thing about this. Nottingham's oh, most of I mean, like. Yeah. I do like um, Martin's stuff. Martin. Professor Polyakov.
1: Oh, it's great, isn't
0: he? He's um, great. But, I mean, you know, just, that's the thing in it. I keep looking at her. <laughs> I keep turning to my kids. But some of the ones they watch are like twenty-three years old and millionaires. Yeah. Come on, what are you? You need to do one of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bless. <laughs> right. Uh, I think I've taken Got up enough. an area of time. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat to me. Congratulations it's on reaching pleasure reaching at issue one hundred. Yes. Um. And obviously. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah, cool. And uh, hopefully next time we chat, you know we'll be supporting the club in Ireland. Yes, <laughs> yeah, let's hope that. we might have to wait a while. <laughs> 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 so
1: we're not going to chat for ten years. Then. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you to Jared Wilson there for taking time out to chat to us about Left Lion. Don't forget to grab a cold of issue 100 of the magazine when it's released this month. And for more uh, Nottingham goodness from Left Lion, head over to their website, which is leftline.co.uk. Uh, that's it for this episode. In the next episode, we're going to be speaking to Beeston-based comedian Scott Bennett about his uh, comedy career, his very first days in comedy right up to his current work supporting Rob briden on tour and his decision to take that leap to making it his full-time work. It's a fascinating chat and it was great to speak to Scott and that will be available soon. Keep an eye out for the release of that. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at NG Digital and Twitter at NG Digital UK and you can check out all the NG Meets podcasts at ngdigital.podbean.com that's it for this episode I hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought via any of our social media channels and also if you have any suggestions for guests or you think you'd make a great guest get in touch with us uh, you can email us if you want info at ng-digital.co.uk or contact us via social media thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back again for the next episode and that's all goodbye NG Meats is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK.